Celebrate Jesus. Let's give him wonderful round of applause. He's worthy of our praises. I said to Jesus, not to me, not to Pastor Chris, to the good shepherd. Hallelujah. Thank you for the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Good morning, everybody. Can you shake somebody and give them a hug or embrace if you want to and say, God bless you. It's been a wonderful time being my brother or my sister. I'm so proud to have you as my brother or my sister or my pastor. I'm so, so privileged to know you, to have you in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for the greeting. Can the choir please help me sing one song, please? In your presence, that's where... I belong. Oh, that's why I'm strong. Just three times. The song is only three times. So you sing it with all your heart. Actually, two times because of my time. Two times in your presence. Thank you. my life with your presence. Lord Jesus, fill my life. Then you mention all the sectors of your life. Your spiritual life, your family, your business, your career, your profession, your health, your job. Say, Lord Jesus, let your presence permeate the whole of my life. Lord, let your presence saturate my life. Fill me with your presence. Release yourself to God and say, Jesus, all I want is your presence. 
Let your presence fill my life. Your presence transformed the man of Gadaran. His destiny changed when he came in contact with your presence. Father, let me come in contact with your presence. When the presence of God goes with you, favor accompanies you. Mercy we do. Grace we do. Open door we do. Say, Jesus, permit my life with your presence. Saturate my life with your presence. Let your presence fill me. Thank you for the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for the Lord. Please take absolute control. In Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated in his presence. Once again we celebrate the glory and the grace of God for the privilege he has given to us to be his children and to have the opportunity to gather together in his presence to fellowship with him and with one another and to hear his word. I also want to thank my pastor, sir, and pastor, missus. Can we celebrate the grace of God upon their lives, please? We can do more than that. Let's celebrate grace. Hallelujah. On behalf of myself and my wife, who is not here, we appreciate you, sir and ma, and the leadership in the house. Thank you for the honor. May the Lord honor you, sir. And the pastor said, we are friends. I told my wife, I mean, I, I was preaching in our church on marriage. I love talking about marriage. And I told them, I said, if you are a man or a woman who has no one that can be reported to, you are a vagabond. You are not a, you are not a true Christian. If there's, any, if there's nobody in your life that somebody can report you to, you are the authority, you are the alpha and omega of your life. There is nobody's word that you can respect. Nobody can call you to order. You are not a, you are not a disciple of Jesus. You are on your own. So I told them, I said, anybody can misbehave. Even Peter misbehave. I said to my wife, I said, if, if I misbehave, maybe one demon just took over me and I begin to mess up and I refuse to listen to instruction. I said to her publicly, I said, there are people my wife can call and report me to. I said, you can call the Jew, but I mean, Jew will be the last resort. You can call mommy Jew. And mommy Jew will just pick up the phone. Oh, Luruti, me, are you sure you're all right? <laughs> she didn't need to say more than that before my head would just be all right. I said, she didn't even need to go that far. She can call Pastor Agu. And Pastor Agu say, Pastor Ralph, are you sure you're all right? And that's all he has to say. I said, didn't even need to go far. He said, I can, I can, he can call some of my friends. He can call somebody in Nigeria. But then he have, she will have to pay for phone bill. <laughs> but she doesn't need to go far. She can call Pastor Chris in Aberdeen. And say, Pastor Chris, come and talk to your friend. And Pastor Chris will not need to travel to London. All he has to do is pick up the phone. Pastor Ralph, you have to behave yourself there. <laughs> and that is the truth. That is the truth. That's how we can succeed in life as a Christian. 
When I was a younger Christian, I'm still young. At least, at least I was 30 or 40 years younger then. That was 1976, 77. I just newly born again. I told my closest friend when in secondary school, I said, be the watch over me. I said, the day I get married, you must come and ask me, Brother Bola, did you keep yourself holy? He didn't have authority over me, but I gave him authority over me. And any time the devil came to tempt me, to take me out of the way, I will remember. On my wedding day, Brahmosis is coming to ask me, did you keep yourself pure? So thank you so much, sir. I really, really celebrate you. I really, really appreciate you. Out of all the great men, he chose me to be friend. Am I not blessed for God's sake? For God's sake. I beg celebrate the grace of God upon my life, too. That this man can humble himself too much to be my friend. Hallelujah. I'm not an evangelist. I'm going to minister to you today as a teacher. When I was thinking of this, on this program, I saw the wisdom of God. An apostle came to, to jumpstart the program. Apostle Bangbade. And then this young guy comes in the middle. And then from, from Monday, another <laughs> apostle of a prayer. We just come and round up everything. This is divine wisdom. So I'm going to spend my own time doing what God has called me to do most. That is to teach. So I'm not going to... And I don't even have the grace to, mobi- to, to bamboozle you. I, even if I want to, I will flop. So I will not. So I will just be cool and quiet and gentle. Even though I, that will require grace to be cool and gentle. I want to share with you on... He prepared a table before me. He prepared a table before me. So I please crave your indulgence. I have just 35 minutes to please be attentive. Don't let your children disturb you. You don't need to go to the toilet. No, on a serious note. You can spend 35 minutes without going to the toilet. The text we read was where we read on Friday. But it, the verse we are going to focus attention on today is verse 15. The Bible says, Then they, the people, who are this day there? No, no, it can't be Jesus. Then they came to Jesus. Jesus couldn't come to Jesus. Then they came to Jesus. If you are here on Friday, who are the they? Sorry? The, the community of where? Of, of Aberdeen? Of Gadara. The people in Gadara, they came. They came. People will come and see you. They came and saw the one who had been demon possessed. Like I said on Friday, all of a sudden, within a twinkling of an eye, his story changed. What used to happen to him before became a past tense. The struggles, the afflictions, the sorrow, the disgrace, the ignominy, the loss of destiny, the madness, just changed in the twinkling of an eye. Because he came in contact with the power that created heaven and earth. Let me tell you something. Anytime you come into his, into his presence, you are coming to the presence of the power that created heaven and earth. The power
of him who is exalted and lifted up above all names. The power of him who said, all powers, all authority, all dominion in heaven and on earth is given to me. Hallelujah. Your amen is betraying that you are not even following me very well. The man was sitting and he was clothed and he was in his right mind. And the people were afraid. The only prayer point I will give to you is what we are going to do. Now, sit down and pray. I hope you know you can sit down and pray and God will see answer your prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, the kind of miracles, the kind of supernatural turning around, that we make people to be afraid. Let them begin to happen in my life. Go ahead and pray that prayer for yourself. Like I said to you, you now mention all the areas of your life. Lord, the kind of miracles in my spiritual life. I want to be a dynamic Christian, a prayer warrior. The kind of miracle that will happen in my spiritual life. The kind of miracle that will happen in my marriage. The kind of miracle that will happen in my immigration status. The kind of miracle that will happen in my ministry. The kind of miracle that will happen in my finances. That will cause fear. That will make the fear of God to grip the people. Let it happen in my life. The kind of supernatural, radical, instantaneous turning around. That will change the whole of my life. That will cause a stir in the community. That will cause a stir in my nation. That will cause a stir among my family. That will make people to begin to talk. That this has to be God. Let it happen. Lord, the kind of turning around that the man of Ganara experienced instantaneously. That made the whole community to gather together. To come and witness the miraculous work of God. Let them begin to happen in my life. In my prayer life, in my holiness and righteousness life, in my witnessing life, in the name of Jesus, in my, in my marriage, in the life of my wife, my daughter, my son, in my ministry, in the church I pastor, in all the assignments God has committed into my hand, divine turning around, divine miracles. Let them begin to happen, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Three things happened to this man in verse 15. The first one, he was sitting down. You know, sometimes, sometimes, look up. We take so many things for granted. How many of us, don't lie, don't lie. How many of us, if I see somebody... Genuinely raising up his hand without lying. I will give the person a present right now. When you came to this church this morning, you lifted up your hand and said, Lord Jesus, I thank you for being able to sit down. Let me see your hands up. Tell a lie. Let me see your hand. Let me just, just, let me just see your hand. You do, do you know some people can't sit down? There was a man who was sick. A preacher gave this story, true story. Said this man, he, had, he, he never knew how to thank God. He was always complaining. One, all, all of a sudden, he fell sick. He took ill. He couldn't go to the toilet. His belly was, was what? Was protruding. English is not my first language, so you have to bear with me. You have to do the sermon together. His belly, I, was, I wanted to tell you what, his belly was rising. 
Well, no, that's not the that's not the proper uh, jargon. It should be protruding. You know, many times when I preach and I get home, my children, <laughs> Shalom and Daniel, when they were about twelve and thirteen, they will now sit me down and say, "Daddy, you don't talk like that." He said, you're speaking Nigerian English. I said, how do I speak the British English? Then they will teach me. And I will say, thank you. And I will practice and practice and practice. <laughs> they will tell me, don't say prepare. It's what? Many of you are not talking because you say prepare too. <laughs> I know you. Many of you are here and after 10 years, you are still saying, give me the sugar. Give me the sugar. <laughs> you know? Anyway. Amen? So this man who will never praise God took ill. Then the belly began to what? Protrude. Sorry? This what? Descend. Whatever you call it. This is not English class. The man took ill. This is the real story. They rushed him to the hospital. Everybody was concerned. And all of a sudden, he farted. And everybody was rejoicing. The kind of fat you will fart that others will be complaining. When this man farted, everybody was celebrating. Ah, thank God! Thank God! He has farted. Because farting was the beginning of his healing. This man sat down. If many of, many of us can't, this man couldn't sit down before. The Bible says he sat down because it was a very great occasion. Before this time, the man couldn't sit down. He was all over the place. He was in the tomb, in the graveyard. He was, where else was he? He was on the mountain, always shouting and screaming and cutting himself with stone. The only little respite he will have is maybe when he slept. And the sleep will not be deep. But this time around, he was sitting down. And the second thing he did, he was clothed. How many of us also praise God? This time around, no, no special uh, gift. How many of us thank God for being able to wear clothes this morning? Let me see your hands up. You see how we have taken God, even me, I don't thank God for wearing any clothes too. So it's not just peculiar to you. We just took it for granted. But the miracle of even wearing clothes was so profound, the Bible has to lay emphasis that all oh, the man was wearing clothes. And the third thing that happened to the man, he was in his right mind. How many of us have thanked God this morning for, Lord, thank you for being in my right mind? Nobody. Oh, you did. Oh, you know, it's a bishop. It's peculiar. And you did too. For being your right mind. Thank you. So as from today, you and I, we have to start learning how to thank God for what we think are little, little things. Including be at peace enough to sit down. Be at peace enough to have to be able to wear clothing and then to be in your right mind. We want to focus on these three things and how they apply to you. Every truth is parallel. What it is in the physical, it has spiritual implication. When I came here, and the worship was going on, 
And I knelt down there to pray, thanking God. God gave me a revelation. And I wrote it down. My own revelation is different from Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris has prophetic inclination. He prophesies many times. Me, I rarely do. I don't know why God won't give me that prophetic gift. But I can't query him. But my own revelation always comes from God's word. God will just expand something. And this is what God said. 100% it is God. It can never be the devil. And I wrote it down there. And, he said, and God said that the difference between the man of Gadara and, and then God also mentioned two other people. The man of Gadara, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the sister of Lazarus and sister of Martha. The difference between those three people and many others who received miracles in the Bible that we never had any impact they made was because they learned to sit with Jesus after the miracle had happened. They didn't just come to the Lord's table and get there. Because on this table, there is healing. There is signs and wonders. And during fasting and praying program like this, many Christians will just come to the Lord's table. Give me my deliverance. Give me my healing. They will receive and go. But it doesn't last. And even when they last, they don't make impact. But those who are going to make impact, they will have to do three things that this, our brother did. What was the first thing he did? He sat down. Come on, let me hear you. Many people are expecting, is this what this man will do? That's what I will do today. They're expecting me to pray, pray. Like I said to you, prayer warrior is coming. Don't miss the program tomorrow. On a serious note, don't miss the program. Don't, don't miss the remaining two days. Terrific things will happen. Whether you say amen or not, it's going to happen. But let me be his forerunner today. What is the first meaning of sitting down? The first meaning of sitting down is resting. Write it down. From all his labors, this man sat down and he was re- he has labored too much. He began to rest. There are so many Bible passages to confirm that. The man was resting. I think the first thing he did, sorry, was, okay, what was the first thing he did? Was he sitting down on, or, or he sat down? The first meaning of sitting down is that he was resting. He was resting from all his labors. In Psalm 119, verse 165. Please, brother, you have to help me quickly. When I mention the passage, let me see it on the screen. Psalm 119, verse 165. The Bible says, Great peace of all those who love your law, and nothing will cause them to stumble. Those who will sit down in, in the Lord's presence and encounter and experience supernatural rest, like this man was doing. This man was resting from all his labors. Few moments before this time, he was all over the places. He was shouting and screaming and living in the graveyard. He was naked, naked as the day he was born, a full-grown man. He had no abode. The Bible says he never rested, day and night, always shouting and screaming and cutting himself with stone. But the day he met Jesus, when he received his miracles, he sat down. May the Lord give you rest. 
from all affliction. In the name of Jesus. Another thing sitting down means, write it down. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 39. The gospel according to St. Luke, 10, 39. The Bible says, and she had a sister called Mary. That's Martha had a sister called Mary. She also sat down at the feet of Jesus and was hearing the word. The reason many Christians don't prosper and grow strong today, they don't have time to sit down at the feet of the master and learn. To sit down means he was learning. That was why he was able to make impact. That was why one of the things God told me this morning or yesterday was about this man, that what actually determined the rest of this man's life after this encounter was this verse 15. Every other thing that happened to this man after his healing and miracle, how he became a world-renowned evangelist was because these three things happened in his life. He sat down. And when you see that in the book of Acts 22 verse 3, Paul was saying that I was a student under Gamaliel, and I indeed was a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. What does it mean to be at the feet of Gamaliel? Gamaliel was a rabbi. In those days, there were two major schools of rabbinical school. One of them was Gamaliel. He was a professor of law. And Paul said, I was brought up, I was trained, I was tutored as a rabbi, as a Pharisee, under the tutelage of Gamaliel. That was why he became proficient. He said, concerning the righteousness of the law, I am, I am perfect. He knew the law. He knew so much that you couldn't just move in here and there. Why? He was tutored under this Gamaliel. So when this man sat down at the feet of Jesus, what was he doing? He was learning. Do you want to succeed? You want to be great? You want to be mighty? You want to fulfill destiny? You want to maintain your miracles? Not only do you want to be healed and be delivered, you, 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 want, to be, you want to receive enough power to become a deliverer yourself. To become an extension of the hands of Jesus so that wherever you go by the grace of God, signs and wonders and miracles are happening, learn to do what this man did. Sit down at the feet of Jesus and learn. He sat down. Hallelujah. The man sat down. There are so many other meanings of the meaning of sitting down. To sit down means he was enjoying divine authority. Because in the book of Luke 22 verse 69, Jesus said, I am going to be lifted up. Hereafter, and from now, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand. Of, he will sit on the right hand of the power of God. To sit down is to enjoy divine authority. This man was sitting down physically, but he was also sitting down spiritually. And the Bible is telling us, that according to Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 4, he said, you also, he has raised up. The Bible said that God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, 
where he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By his grace, you have been saved. Hallelujah. And what happens when you are saved? You are raised up together and you are made to sit. To sit down means you are operating in power. To sit down means you are elevated to a great position in the realm of the spirit. To sit down with Christ in the heavenly places means God has confirmed so much authority and power upon your life. Hallelujah. There are so many other meanings of sitting down, but we in order for us to deal with the remaining thing. But finally, under sitting down, it means he was resting under the protective presence, secured presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are told in Psalm 91 that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. So sitting down simply means he was being shielded from further attacks by the power of darkness. There was never a record that the demons came back to destroy his life because he learned to sit down, to abide in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The second thing this man was doing was that he was closed. He was closed. I'm going to give you just a short point. The first thing of being clothed was that spiritually, there are so many kind of garments you could wear. Here, I have about seven of them. But we won't go into details because of time. The first thing was that he put on divine, beautiful garments. In Isaiah 52, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 52, verses 1 and 2. Say, awake, awake, put on your strength. As a Christian, not only do you have physical clothes, you also have strength. You can wear strength as a clothing. You can become so strengthened, so powerful. Say, oh Zion, put on your beautiful garments. Instead of filthy garments of unrighteousness, you can put on beautiful garments. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that this garment is the righteousness of the faith. You can put on the garment of righteousness. Hallelujah. You know that I way to put on this garment? By your confession. You can wake up every morning and say, in the name of Jesus, I put on the garment of grace. You can wear grace as a garment. You can wear mercy as a garment. You can wear righteousness as a garment. You can wear strength. He said, put on your strength. Clothe yourself with strength. Hallelujah. You can put on the garment of warfare. This man was clothed. He was putting on the garment of warfare. You will see that in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Say, finally, my brethren, from verse 12, I think from verse 10. Say, finally, my brethren, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then in verse 12, he began to tell us what to put on. How come the devil couldn't have access to this man's life again? He was clothed. Let me ask you a question. What are you clothed with? This season of fasting and prayer, take time to clothe yourself, to robe yourself in power and splendor. So that after the fasting and prayer, your victory, your dominion, your, your breakthrough will continue. Hallelujah. You can put on the garment of salvation. Just write down these passages because there's no time to be reading them in Isaiah 61 verse 10. Say, so put on the garment of salvation 
And in Revelation 19, 7 and 8, said, put on the garment of righteousness. Hallelujah. And then in the book of Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus said, let's read that. Luke 24, verse 49. Jesus said, behold, I send you the promise of the Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed. The new, I mean, the NIV says to you, until you are clothed. Can we have NIV? Thank you. I am going to send you what my father has promised you. But stay in the city until you have been clothed. Wow. Let me tell you something, brethren. By the time God finishes with you, you will never remain the same. You will be too dangerous for the devil to handle. Hallelujah. This man's life never remained the same. Because he was properly clothed. He was clothed in righteousness. He was clothed in purity. He took off the garment of shame. He took off the garment of embarrassment. He took off the garment of reproach. He took off the garment of failure. Jesus sorted him out. But you know what? You know, in, in the Bible, there's a principle of put off and what else? And put on. Say, put off evil. Put off fornication. Put off all the evil work. He said, then put on righteousness. Put on humility. You wear them like a clothing. He said, put on the garment of righteousness and put upon your feet the, 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 the sandal of the gospel. You wear, you, wear, you, wear, you wear evangelism as a shoe. And the word of God is in your hand as, this, as a sword. Nobody can see it. But you are, you are fully clothed. So that when the devil comes anyway, you will just deal with him. And from today, you become a terror to the enemy. In Psalm 93 verse 1, the Bible says, God is clothed in majesty. I, I'm telling you too, you also can be robed in majesty. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. You can say, he said, the Lord is, the Lord is clothed. He has gathered himself with strength. Just as the Bible said, put on strength. The Bible said, before you can put on strength, there's somebody who put on strength first as a clothing, and that is God. That simply means whatever clothing God is putting on, you can put it on too. You can put on strength. You can put on majesty. You can put on the grace of God so that anywhere you are, but you must be conscious you have this clothing. Wow, you didn't hear that. Because sometimes the difference between those who are succeeding and those who are failing is in the awareness and the consciousness of what they have. You didn't hear that. One day, Prophet Elisha came out of his house. No, his servant came out of his house. He just looked at the window. He saw the old house surrounded by an army, an army of a whole nation. Coming to arrest only one man. That man will be deadly and dangerous. It takes a whole army to arrest one man. Why can't you send two people? Go and bring him here. May you become deadly for the devil to handle. That was even under the Old Testament. When this guy saw this, the whole place surrounded by soldiers, he ran back to the, to the master. And what did he see the master doing? The master was drinking tea. I think must have been drinking Nescafe. Because that's my, that's my best coffee. I've tried so many coffee. All this Arabic, but my favorite. 
Don't give me coffee. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you my story. So Uncle Elisha was drinking coffee with his, um, his robe, just enjoying himself, almost oblivious of what was happening. And the servant was so angry. He said, Master, Master, we are, going to, we are going to perish. Can't you see? What is the matter with you? Can't you see? When you don't know whom you are, you, you just die of hypertension. Coward die many times before their death. The man was, and he had every reason to be, to be, to be, to be, to be, to be what? To be afraid. You people are very good in grammar. Listen, listen to the conclusion. What was the difference between his attitude and the difference of Elisha? Because Elisha can see, but the man cannot see. And God said, I mean, Elisha said to God, Lord, open his eyes. And God opened his eyes. And he saw, what did he see? Now I need to hear, what did he see? Pasha. Many of you don't know what he saw. I said many. What did he see? Some people are speaking in tongues. Kasha. He saw chariots of fire and angels surrounding them. Let me ask you a question. The Bible didn't tell us how he felt when he saw that. How do you think he felt when he saw that? He became like his master. He said, where's my own cup of tea? <laughs> I didn't know all these things are here. What was the difference? Knowing. Seeing. Know whom you are in Christ. If Elisha had not seen, there would also be a pandemonium, there would be fear in his heart. He wouldn't have known what to do. Sometimes knowing whom you are, knowing what you see, will determine how you will react. Whether God opened the eyes of Elisha to see those angels or not, they were there. But he may not enjoy their presence. He may not have exercised so much authority. He may not have had the kind of peace he had even though there were the resources of heaven available to him. But because his eyes of understanding were not enlightened, he may suffer as though those resources are not there. Don't suffer like that. You are not ordinary. You are fully armed and deadly and dangerous. Not to your neighbor. Not to your... Don't tell your husband, I hope you heard that I'm dead. I'm deadly dangerous now. So don't mess up with me. Mm. It is only to force it. When you deal with your brothers and sisters and brethren and your husband, you don't use your right. The only right you have when you relate with brethren is the right to serve them. It is only when you deal with the forces of darkness that you use your right. But when, when you deal with me, you have no right. In fact, the only right I have is to suffer wrong on your behalf. Is to be deprived to ensure there is peace. And then to serve you, and you serve me. Don't say, it's my right. Pastor, it's my right. You, you have no right here. Hallelujah. The last thing that happened to this man, what was it? He was in his right mind. The man was in his right mind. 
the man was in his right mind. Can we have on the screen 2 Timothy 1 verse 7? You all know it. The Bible says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. What has he given to us? Let me tell you the meaning of sand mine as I research. This is the meaning of sand mine in the original Greek language. I won't tell you all the Greek word. Let me just read it. It says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power of love and of love. He has given you a mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, brought into a place of safety and security. So that it is no longer affected by illogical, <clears throat> unfounded, and absurd thought. Your mind is sound. Say, I have a sound mind. I can't hear you. The Bible says this man, mind, he had a sound mind. This mind can never be overtaken by fear. And listen, listen. This mind is no longer controlled by ordinary emotions. Listen, listen. Anger does no longer control his mind. Fear no longer controls his mind. Demons no longer control his mind. Pride and arrogance. He is now in charge. The Holy Spirit has taken his abode. He's a man of sadness of mind. You can't irritate him. Some people will say, you see, dear, you want to start again. This is what normally irritates me. No, no, no. You need deliverance. You know, you know, I don't bite people unless they put their hands in my mouth. You have no sound mind yet. You cannot determine how people will behave to you. But you can determine how you will react. So at home, when you are in control, when the Holy Ghost is in charge of your mind, I am telling you, nothing will offend you. Even if your wife cooks bad food, I'm telling you, you will never pour the food on her head. You will even appreciate her, oh dear, I know salt is cheap in the market now, you know, and I really thank God for, you know, you just say it in a joking manner. We are as before. Were you blind? Because at that time, what controls is your appetite. Your belly has become your God. And if anybody messes up with your food, the real you will come out. But now when you have sound mind, no. You will know that even if you don't eat. Even when you come home and you are expecting food to be in the place and there's no food, you won't call your wife a bad name. Oh dear, you must have been very, very busy today. Let me help you in the kitchen. Sound mind. We may be like that. <laughs> and the real sound mind will look for what their husband loves and, and go extra mind to make their husband feel good and feel like a man. Most people who have sound mind, they don't normally have headache. Women, are you still laughing? <laughs> Men, it's your turn to laugh now. As our time is winding up, 
Can we read something better about this sandman in the book of Ezekiel 36? Ezekiel 36 from verse 26. Brother? Ezekiel 26. Are we there? I will give you a new heart. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. I will give, what, what will I give you? What, what happened to this man? He was given a new heart. The secret of everything you do in life is in your heart. For as a man thinks in his heart. No, wait, wait. Let me finish my own uh, expanded. As a man thinks in his heart, so he will act. And so he is. So he will speak. You don't know what is in somebody until something happens. You never know what is in me until you step on my toes. Then the real me will come out. Look, my Christianity is not the same thing with foolishness. I will deal with you first. Then I will go and ask for forgiveness. That's how people do. Many people do. But Jesus gave you a promise. I will give you a new heart. The heart of anger. So many people's homes have been destroyed by anger. Anger destroyed their great-grandmother's family. The mother married, the grandmother married two, three, four times because of anger. They can't control their tongues. I will say what is in my mind. They are always saying what is in their mind. Except that it never profited them. Right from secondary school, they were always saying what is in their mind. They were suspended from school. Always saying what was in their mind. They lost their home. Always saying what is in their mind. They lost their job. And up to today, I'm just saying my mind. Foolish mind. <laughs> but the Bible says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take away the heart of stone. And I will give you the heart of flesh. That was the kind of heart this man had. That's the meaning of having a sound mind. A sound mind is strong. A sound mind is creative. A sound mind knows what to do at all situations. And finally, let me give you a story. The pastor was saying yesterday or two days ago that I came under a very adverse circumstances. I couldn't have come. My uncle lost his first son. Let me tell you the meaning of somebody who has this sound mind. Strong Christian. I lived with him when I was young. He was it's like my father. I'm like his firstborn. He was looking for his son for some time. Eventually, he gained access to his flat. The boy was dead. He'd been, he'd been there for about three or four days before we discovered him. The first human being he called was me. He just called me and he told me I ran to his place. Guess what? He was playing music. He was playing music, Christian music. He just sat down. And when I got to him, he, was, he began to say, you see, when I go to his flat, I was thinking he was going to tell me that he made a mistake that the boy wasn't dead. And he spoke and spoke. I said, okay, so what about him now? He said, he's still there. I said, how? He said, he's dead. I said, what? He was too composed. He's a sad, genuine, radical Christian in his 70s. He's firstborn, 36-year-old boy, young man, no wife, nothing, died. He was the first human being to see it. The only person I've ever spoken to about it was me. And the calmness and the coolness. Ah, ah. And somebody was telling me, yesterday, he said, ah, he said, I spoke to him on phone. He said, Samuel Pitchy. He said, when I spoke to him yesterday, he said he was talking as if nothing has happened. And that was his first son who will not come back. The righteous will never be afraid of bad news. His heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. Nothing will move them. The only thing that moves them is God. People's behavior don't move them. 
Situations don't move them. Circumstances don't move them. Adversity don't move them. They are strong. They are not fickle, feeble-minded. They are just strong. They are trusting in the Lord. They are, they are, they are, they are granted. In Colossians 2, verses, verses 6 and 7, it says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, be rooted, be granted, be established in him. This man became rooted. He became granted. He became established. Nothing moves him. Nothing will move you. Amen. Your amen is not encouraging. Amen. God prepares a table. The table of garment of righteousness. Go there and put them on. The table of strength. The garment of power. The garment of wisdom. The garment of grace. Go there and put them on. He, he prepares a table before you. The table of sound man. Ability to know what to do at the right time. Bad news don't move you. You know God is in control. You know that he will never leave nor forsake you. You know that even if heaven and earth is rumbling, something is, is certain that his everlasting love is unchanging and nothing changes it. Whether you pray, whether he answers your prayer or not, you are not accusing, you are not threatening God. Lord, I give you three months. I have been asking and asking. Three months, you don't do it. You don't threaten God. Even if he does not do it, he still remains God. And finally, a strong, stable mind focuses attention on the things that are eternal. Colossians 31. If you have therefore been risen with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated. So those who have sound mind, whether people jilt them or not, whether people disappoint them or not, they keep on serving God. Nothing takes them away from Jesus Christ. They remain stable. Shall we pray? God's table is set. He wants to give you divine clothing. He wants to give you sound mind. God prepared a wonderful table for the man of Gadara. The first thing God did for this man was to clear this man's table of all kind of evil. He did it on Friday. He cast out those demons. He set the man free. He restored his destiny. He restored his sanity. And now he didn't just leave him alone. He set lovely table before him. And on this, on this table, all kind of garments were there. Garment of power. Garment of grace. Garment of beauty. Garment of splendor. Garment of favor. Garment of mercy. Garment of power. Garment of greatness and breakthrough. He gave him sound mind. Hallelujah. Is anybody praying? Say, Lord Jesus, I receive all that you have for me. I receive sign. All these things we have mentioned, if you write them down, you can open your eyes. If you can't remember, I put on the garment of righteousness, the garment of power, the garment of grace, the garment of divine ability in the name of Jesus Christ. If you are here this morning, the beginning of your encounter with God is to be like this man. You come and be saved. When you are saved, when you give your life to Jesus, then other things follow. Let me tell you, this man was able to have all these opportunities because he has encountered God. He has given his life to Jesus. The devil could no longer enter into him. Are you there this morning? Are you saying, Jesus, come into my heart? Are you saying, Jesus, I release myself to you? Is there anybody like that this morning saying, Pastor, please pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. Can I see your hands up, please? You are saying, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Hallelujah. Shall we pray together? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the man of Gadara, your son, whom the enemy double-crossed, 
but you came to show forth your power. Thank you because in the same token, because what you have done for someone, you can do for others. What you have done before, you can do now. It's our time and turn to receive divine visitation. Over everybody present here today, I decree supernatural divine visitation in the name of Jesus. I decree over your life, your marriage and all that concerns you, that every power that rises up against your destiny, like they did against this man of God, I command the power of the Most High God to come, set you free, deliver you in the name of Jesus. As the Lord turns his life around, I prophesy over you henceforth, let your life be turned around. Let your destiny receive divine visitation. Let the glory and the grace of God be released upon you. This man was clothed. Every kind of clothing you will need to succeed, to be great, to be empowered, receive them now. He was in his right mind. Every power fighting against your mind, pack your load and go in the name of Jesus. Let the mind of Christ, mind of stability, mind of grace and power and strength and bonus and confidence, mind of Christ be released upon your life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And finally, the man stepped into his destiny. He became a great man. I decree today that the boldness and the confidence to enter into your destiny, it does not matter how big and powerful and challenging it may be, receive that boldness. And the power to fulfill destiny, let it come upon your life. Father, we thank you. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' name, we pray. God bless you, brother.